Welcome. You are listening to episode one of the Drop Lines podcast with Mac and Jen, brought to you by Driftwood Dramatics. In this episode, Mac and Jen introduce themselves, talk about their experiences working on stage together, and hash out some criteria for selecting plays for a community theater season. Welcome to Drop Lines with Mac and Jen. This is a theater talk. <laughs> that sounds like crap. <laughs> well, welcome. My name is uh my name is actually Eric, but everybody calls me Mac. There's a long story behind that. And with me is my co-host Jen Ryan. Jen, uh go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Jen Ryan. She's working on um, on the sexiest voice on the air. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> was that my was that my sexy voice? Was it? Hello. That's there. We go. It's creepy. It is creepy. So, <laughs> <laughs> no. I can I can edit out creepiness. Oh, good. I've got a filter that takes out the creepy. It <laughs> suddenly turns you into as happy as possible. I need that in everyday life. In everyday life, yeah. Don't, don't we all? So uh, this is our podcast, and the, this podcast is uh, sponsored by my theater company, which is Driftwood Dramatics. Um, please tune in to our Driftwood Dramatics Presents, which uh, will have uh, an episode once a month. Uh, our first episode actually features Jen and myself as a, as a married couple, <laughs> which we've done before. Mm-hmm. The last time we were a married couple, though, I, I, I tried to kill you, didn't I? <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So we wanted to talk about uh, theater things uh, in community theater. Jen and I are both very um, active in the local community theater scene. Uh, Jen, you do stuff at Our Act. Have you done? Uh, mainly at Our Act. And then uh, in 2017, I did do a show with Bobcats. The Bobcats. The Bobcat Players. And then I've, um, I've worked with the Little Beaver Historical Society. Um, and I'll be doing a show... I don't know if they're really sponsoring it or now it's the Social Voice Project, but we're going to be doing Soldier Come Home as a radio show in September. So, And myself, I've been doing theater here for mm, years. <laughs> uh, 1984, I think, was the first time I did theater in the area. So I did a show at the Red Barn Theater back in 1984. It was um, Godspell. That was my very wow. first show. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do theater all over the place here, um, up at the Newcastle Playhouse uh, with our act, uh, done at the Red Barn. I'm actually directing a show coming up in August. We started rehearsal for that. Jen didn't want to be in it. No, I did want to be in it. <laughs> I did not want to be I'm in just, Red Barn in August. <laughs> I'm just busting her chops. So I'm very excited to see that show, though, it sounds Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see it, too, because it, it is one of the stranger shows I think I've ever directed, but... Uh, and I've done stuff with uh, Hobnob Theater up in Butler, um, and I belong to a group called the Known World Players, which is, um, it's a, a part of the Society for Creative Anachronisms. I don't think I've ever told you that. It's, uh, <laughs> you're laughing, why are you laughing? <laughs> I just Cre- love the idea. Creative Anachronisms. It's a, it's a very strange sort of theater company because they do one show a year in, uh, at the event in August, and they rehearse over the phone. So they, oh. they cast in August and then they rehearse over the phone. So you get on the phone with uh, with the director and the assistant director. You kind of 
Skype in with them sometimes. And you run your lines, which in my mind is more voice acting and less actual acting because mm-hmm. you're not, they're not looking at your face. They're not yeah. looking at your movement. They're just critiquing your How voice. You delivery. Yeah. Which is great. If, uh, you know, if you do what I do on the side, which is, which is audiobook narrating, you know, get somebody to critique your voice for yeah. you, but, uh, it wasn't real helpful <laughs> when it came to, <laughs> came to actually, uh, rehearsing. And then they get together in August and they run, uh, four rehearsals for like four hours and then we do a performance and it's Shakespeare. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So, so I did, I did Henry the fifth. Um, and then we did one, it wasn't Shakespeare. It was, um, Anne of the thousand days, which Mm -hmm. is Anne Boleyn and, uh, Henry the, Henry the eighth. And uh, I got to play a bad guy in that one. That was, that was fun. (laughs) Oh, you're a fantastic bad guy. I I like playing bad guys. Um, so Jen and I have done some shows together at RX theater. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, Basically, Dropped Lines is kind of our podcast to discuss theater things um, and probably just get together and BS into microphones because <laughs> that's what we do. I'll, I'll let you talk because I am I oh. have diarrhea of the mouth, <laughs> apparently. And talk about the shows we did together? Sure, we can talk about the shows we've done together. Okay, sure. well, the, the first show we did together was Death and Doubloons. It was Death and Doubloons, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so that's um, that was written by Larry Spinnenweber. Well, we'll try it again. Larry Spinnenweber. There we go, that's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why everybody calls him Spin. Spin. <laughs> it was, Spin, uh, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> uh, and and he does um, murder mysteries, and this was my it was my first show at our act too. Is actually my return to theater after nineteen years. Nineteen years. Yeah. I did something similar. I went away to college and got away from theater for quite a while. Yeah. The, I I did theater in high school, and then you know I didn't. I had to go out and I joined the real world, and I got a job and got married and had kids and all that. And then I got divorced and said it's time to go back into theater. <laughs> And it's been fantastic. So Death and Doubloons was the the first show that I did. And I almost actually almost missed the audition because I couldn't find the audition space. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I What did I audition for them for was the first show I did with them. But yeah, you, you go out to the front of the building and you're like, where the heck I is I was standing uh, in the front and I was... <laughs> you know, on the event page on Facebook, like I'm here, the door is locked and, you know, Conrad is messaging back. We're upstairs. And I'm like, but how do I get upstairs? Right. Right. um, You know, over the, over the garage and and (laughs) along the the walkway of doom into the door of, of despair. Yeah. The big sign over it says abandoned hope. All ye who enter here. (laughs) That was, that's RX rehearsal and, uh, and, uh, formal rehearsal office space the former yeah Yeah. so i'm kind of looking forward to their to the new new space space. i am i am too they um it sounds like it's going to be really good so we we did death and doubloons together and i played um lorinda hamilton the um fiery and tempestuous captive tempestuous and, and, and i'll be honest with you the only reason i auditioned for that is i love pirates <laughs> as i sit here with my pirate, pirate shirt, shirt. On, yeah i've got a shirt with a pirate on it and uh my basement there's a bar in my basement called the monkey's fist tavern <laughs> which is pirate themed so yeah I, I like pirates so that's the only reason i auditioned for that and so i could use my voice Arr, again. <laughs> it was great i, I don't was... want to do it into the microphone because i'm afraid i <laughs> I'd be sitting here drinking me Gatorade. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a it was a fun show. You played um, McTeague. 
I did. I did. I, I gave him a first name and I, it was Stacy. Yes. It was Stacy yes. McTeague, um, which I got from Stacy Keach because it always amused me that, that this manly man who played Mike <laughs> Hammer, his first name was Stacy. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, it was a it was definitely a, a fun it was a fun show. So we did that together, and then um, the following February, I was in a play you wrote. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Wrote. Um, oh, it's it's the, the princess, princess and the, and great, the great gold, gold dragon. dragon. Yeah. yeah. And and I was cast as actor too, and it was <laughs> fantastic. And I think it's it's probably. Well, it's definitely my favorite comedy to date that I've done since since coming back into theater. I love that. And I love that role. And it was so funny because it's um, it's so much physical comedy, of course, and um, a lot of visual comedy. So when we were just doing the read through at first, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, why am I playing this part? <laughs> like, I barely have any lines. This, this is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> I'm why like just reading it because I we weren't really reading all the stage directions and everything. And I'm like, I have like four lines. Why am I here? But then whenever we got into actually working the show, then I understood why I was cast the way that I was. And I'm like, oh, you know, and okay. I've had people I've had people tell me that uh, that my plays don't read well, that <laughs> That just sitting down and reading stuff I've written, they're like, oh, this is pretty dumb because I like I like visual humor and I like the unexpected joke from ridiculous situations. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I've been told that, uh, you know, the reason nobody wants to do anything you've written is because they don't get your humor <laughs> reading it. Yeah. You have to see it. Yeah. And I, and I think uh, Dragon definitely was a you must see it to get it sort mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. It was all in my head. I could see it. But <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, trying to trying to convey that to other people is tough. Yeah. Well, I, and I didn't get to read it before that first read through anyway. So really, you know, you're kind of rushing during a read through. They kind of rush through the um, the, the blocking and the other notes and things that are in there. And sometimes they don't read them at all. So that was entirely missed on me. And I think maybe if I would have sat down and read it alone, I would have been like, oh, OK, I see what's happening here. <laughs> so whenever we actually went to do it, it was um, it was great. And actually, Mike gave me a lot of freedom with the character and I just kind mm -hmm. of did whatever I wanted and I think it worked out it was which, so which, much fun which works with my sense of humor sure <laughs> and, and what she's not telling you is that the sequel to uh the princess and a great gold dragon which is um the many wives of bluebeard mm -hmm. I wrote actor two with Jen in mind when I was writing it so <laughs> son must have done a good job <laughs> and, yeah, then, and then we did part. and then we did uh gaslight together yes yeah yeah, it was also called Angel Street, and that was um, I just love that play. I love that script. <laughs> so it's um, a Victorian thriller. Yes. So I, yeah. it's for some people, it's really not their style, but I I really loved it. I loved that it was a psychological thriller. I really loved the characters. I fell in love with Bella, which was the character I played, and um, Mac was just fantastic as my. I I don't love Manningham. <laughs> But I really enjoyed being him for several hours a night. Um, he is he is sick and twisted. He really is. <laughs> and uh, uh, Bruce Travers, um, he came to see the show, and and there's a scene, and and you couldn't see it because you were behind me, and uh, you come down the stairs, and uh, I. I think I've called you down to basically torture you. Mm -hmm. And you say something about the dog. And I looked at the audience and I gave this half smile <laughs> to the audience because I'm torturing you mm -hmm. and I'm enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And I gave them that smile 
out of view of you mm-hmm. to give them the impression that I know I'm torturing you. Yeah. And Bruce said to me, he's like, that was the creepiest thing I've, I've seen. <laughs> he's like, that was great. You just had this smile. You, it's like, I, I didn't recognize you in the character. And, and as an actor, that's like the greatest thing anybody mm-hmm. could ever tell you is like, I lost you in that character. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, that is, that is, it's a fantastic compliment. Yeah. And I, and I've had, um, I, I've heard that about Bella, about me playing Bella. In fact, my sister gave me the, the best compliment really. She comes to all my shows, but she's more out of obligation. <laughs> she's she's not really a a theater person and so she doesn't always enjoy it and usually you can get her if it is just you know some kind of stupid comedy and she's like well at least she'll laugh and then (laughs) she's fine but um so I really expected her to hate Gaslight especially because it's so I mean the manipulation there's so much going on in there that I mean if you're not paying attention you can kind of miss what's happening and not not really understand I thought she would hate it but she didn't and she she said she goes Jen I forgot that was you up there she goes I forgot I was in that crappy theater she said it just (laughs) she goes I just was captivated the whole time and it just it didn't even seem like you it was like you were somebody else and I'm like well that's you know I hope so (laughs) that's that's acting so I think it was it was really good and i really enjoyed our scenes together uh yeah i did too it it it, and it's telling that uh we would come off the stage afterwards and greet the audience and half the audience (laughs) they wanted to smack me or they were all angry with me they wanted to hurt you and hug me i'm like okay but you know I'm not really that person. No, no. And I told him that I said he's a sweetheart. He's he's a complete sweetheart. And you just you were fantastic in in that role. And it just it was it was so good to um to have someone that could, I don't know, that emotional volley back and forth. You know, you yeah, don't always get that interplay on stage. Yeah, and we, we took our time too. It's 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 one of those things where because it's a thriller, you can't rush. Oh no. You can't rush it. You've gotta let it build. And, uh, and we take our time with that. That that scene you were talking about, that was actually, I think, my favorite scene to do. And I barely even talk in that scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, was actually, you're monologuing do, through most do, of it. But you do an awful lot of crying. That's exactly. Sure. <laughs> I do a lot of reacting to what you're saying. And I think it was really, it was my favorite scene because of that. Just kind of getting to absorb your performance, but as Bella rather than the audience. And kind of really, I, I think I felt her so much more during that scene than, than any other scene. I mean, I really felt like I was just getting balled out by my husband by this manipulative yeah. jerk that he was. And it was so intense, but it was fantastic. I love that scene. And my wife has left the building. She'd be happy to tell you that, that I'm not like that at all. But, um, <laughs> no, so, not. so it has, so it has to be acting, right? We wanted to talk about like things, uh, small theater companies, uh, when they're choosing plays, mm-hmm. kind of the things that they, they would consider as far as, uh, as play selection, having directed shows in a couple of the small theaters hereabouts. Um, it's a, it's different than if you're like someplace like at, you know, downtown at, mm-hmm. at, at like the Pittsburgh Playhouse or, or any of those sorts of things. So I know you had some, some, uh, some criteria that you use. <laughs> What, what what do you consider as I, far as I, I did I, I made a little list of of things that um, you should consider before selecting a play and I think it's going to be um, different all community theaters have different strengths and and weaknesses we have some places that really do just pull out phenomenal sets yeah, uh, um, yeah. you know in other places where that's just not true so I think you yeah. really have to we were talking about that last night at the Red Barn Theater I was uh, 
we were there for rehearsal for the show I'm directing in August. And uh, the show that's going on stage next is Bonnie and Clyde. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've turned the stage into like this 1930s, I think it is. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It, it's full of pallets and beams and pipes. I, and, I saw a cast picture, so I yeah, could kind of see some of and, it behind there. It looked neat. And, uh, you know, and we, we got to talking about, uh, Jeff said, uh, he's like, well, they're going to do this. And then the next play on stage is almost black box. <laughs> <It's just> nothing there. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's, we are literally doing what it could be considered a black box mm -hmm. uh, presentation of Shipwrecked. And uh, it's like, yeah. So like the Red Barn, they run the gamut sometimes between you know, the photorealistic sets and, mm -hmm. and the black box sets. And I think, uh, a lot of it has to do with, um, budget. Yeah. Um, who has time to, to do that sort of stuff and, you know, and is it worth building this ridiculously large set mm -hmm. sometimes? Yeah. Is um, it necessary? Well, like you were saying, um, you know, if, if you're a community theater, oftentimes your, your space is limited, mm -hmm. your time is limited because you're talking all volunteers. Mm -hmm. um, so you're doing these, these outrageous sets can be difficult. Um, I know you've never done shows at the Comptra theater. Have I haven't. I've yeah. seen shows there, but I haven't done any. So they're in the round. They're in the round. Uh, one of the challenges that uh, a director faces there is you can't do the, the stereotypical mm -hmm. set. Mm -hmm. You're literally in on a floor with the audience on four sides of you. And it's very difficult to do any sort of scenery. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you're, you're doing sets suggestively, <laughs> which is kind of the way theater was for the longest time. It mm -hmm. was, you know, it was all about, it's all about the actors. It's all about what's being said. Yeah. I mean, Shakespeare would set his scene by having somebody come on the stage and go, we are in Dunkirk. <laughs> Look, it's the castle. <laughs> And there would be nothing there, but yeah. what was always on the set, you know, which was just doors and things, you know, and, uh, we've kind of gotten away from that in our modern culture, mm -hmm. which I don't know is, is, is good for community theaters because they look at what something like the, the, uh, CLO does, mm -hmm. or they look at what's, what was touring, you know, they just did toward Wicked and yeah. look what they did with Wicked. They had her flying through the air. Why can't we do that? Well, cause you don't have a fly. <laughs> You don't have a crane to lift her up off the ground and you don't have the space in the wings to put <laughs> the those things. The ceilings aren't even high <laughs> enough in a lot of the spaces. Could you imagine? Yeah. And, and so, so it's definitely a challenge when you're trying to uh, select a play, um, what will fit in our space. Mm -hmm. And it's a cliche, but there's an awful lot of really good plays out there that are just one set, mm -hmm. small cast plays that we end up seeing over and over and over again yeah, because they work in community theater. So, yeah. So I was agreeing with you, yes, but uh, yeah. I, I apparently, like I said before, I have diarrhea in the mouth. <laughs> no, it's okay. We'll, Talk. <laughs> for those of you listening and not familiar with me, I used to be a radio disc jockey and uh, <laughs> it's one of those things you get on the air and you can't shut up. <laughs> no, that's okay. And you, you have um, so much experience in, in this as well though, for, um, you know, having, been in community theater longer since, you know, I'm younger and she's calling me old in case you missed that. <laughs> Just older than me. And, <laughs> um, and, and also you've done a lot of directing as well, where right mm. now, um, for the time being, I am 
quote unquote, just an actor. So just an actor. Yes, just a fantastic actor, but but and, and very humble. so modest. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, I'm just rattling off all of my good qualities here. Um, but yeah, so I, I like to listen to your input because you have a lot of experience in, in putting on shows that currently I lack. And of course, a lot of times that's something I have to keep in mind whenever I try to help um, suggest plays for our act in particular, since that's kind of my home theater is I tend to want to do plays that I want to be in. Yeah. But that's not always what's going to be conducive to our theater or our space. It's tough as an actor to look at a script and go, I could suggest this, but there's no part in it for me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or suggest a script where you're like, "Uh, I really want to play this part. But will I get cast? Yes, that yeah. And then I'd feel really bad if they actually did the show did it, and nobody would cast me. me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. That's I've been in that situation. I, I understand. I've, I've I've definitely thought of that. But but also there are some shows that I like to do that you know for the time being just wouldn't work in like the space that we have or with mm-hmm. the people that we have or something. And it's like, well, I could recommend this, but we really. You know, if I weren't planning on being in it, I would be the first person to get say we shouldn't do that show. <laughs> so it's um, not selfish at all. Yeah. No. Which that actually kind of um, leads me to another point that I had, which was cast size. Mm. Um, mm. I think that should be considered a lot, not just because of the size of your stage and your space, because clearly if you have a very small space, don't try to cram 12 people on it but also just trying to schedule rehearsals becomes very difficult because community theater it's for you know mostly adults that are living adult lives they have families and jobs and you want to try to put 13 16 different schedules together it's a nightmare to try to schedule that and for everyone to be able to get um you know good perform uh rehearsals with everybody there i mean we've i've certainly done shows where um we didn't have every actor there until tech week. <laughs> and that, yeah. You know, it's not, it, can it be done? Yes. <laughs> should it be done? It, no, no it, it, it really shouldn't. And sometimes that even happens with a smaller cast, which is terrible. So um, personally, especially with the space that we, that I'm used to working with, I'd like to see, you know, eight or under. And I think even like four to six is like a really good size because you can, hopefully get better actors. Um. Yeah. Yeah. But you're talking about cast size and there is that fine line between uh, casting and uh, putting people in a small space and mm-hmm. then putting on a good show. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of community theaters, and I think you and I had talked about this, um, they, their mission statement is to get as many people involved as possible. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean necessarily as many people on stage, but they want people who wouldn't otherwise have this opportunity yeah. to to have the opportunity. So what you find in that case oftentimes are people in small roles who have no acting chops mm-hmm. um, or just haven't been given the correct direction or maybe even just, just don't have the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, or people who have experience but should never have gotten on the stage to begin with, <laughs> uh, but just keep coming back. And so it's it's a it's a tough thing. You're mm-hmm. like, well, I want to put on a good show. Yeah. But, but I want to get people involved. But these are the people I have. Yes. <laughs> and you know, and I know that feeling. And honestly, uh, as a director, I would sometimes rather work with Joe Schmo, who isn't a great actor, but 
but comes to rehearsal yes, when they're yes, supposed to be there, dependable. makes their entrances, gives their lines, tries their darndest, but is still wooden, then a great actor who you can't work with mm-hmm. at any other time. It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah. And and there are people out there who will describe me that way, um, <laughs> that I'm I'm difficult to work with as an actor, and uh, maybe. <laughs> that has not uh, been my experience. Of course, I've, as a fellow I've, actor and then I've, as a... I've said I've said uh, that that I am difficult to get along with if you lose my respect for you, mm-hmm. and then I suddenly become the most difficult person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably a terrible trait on my part, but uh, I don't know. I, it's just the way I've always been. But if I respect you, I'll bend over backwards. Well, figuratively speaking, because I can't <laughs> actually bend over backwards. You know that whole old thing that you mentioned earlier. <laughs> mm. So yeah, so so. Cast size is important to a community theater, but it often does rely on whether or not uh, you've got the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you got to look at cast size and you got to go, okay, well, I want to do this show and it calls for this many men and this many women, mm-hmm. but these roles are very important to this story. Can I find actors who yes. can play those parts? Yeah. And I think community theaters sometimes get themselves into a into a problem where they have cast the same people over and over and over again. (laughs) And anytime somebody new comes into an audition, they're overlooked. Yeah. Tough luck. And what happens then is those people never come back. Mm -hmm. And if you'd have just given them a small role, Mm -hmm. then you could have increased the the pool of people you have. And I always try to not cast the same people over and over again. But unfortunately what I find is a lot of the same people go, I liked working with you. Yes. I'm going to come oh. audition for you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so then you end up with the same people auditioning and, uh, and, and so it's, it's an unintentional click. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think sometimes there are intentional clicks. Uh, um, yeah. one, of, one of my pet peeves are directors who precast. Yes. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Um, and I never precast, uh, because I'd like to, I'd like to actually sit through the audition process and see what people mm-hmm. are going to give me mm-hmm. and then fill the roles with those people and then look back and go, okay, I still need these parts filled. Mm-hmm. Can I find people that I know that will, will take those parts? Mm-hmm. And that happens, uh, that happens quite a bit, I think in community theaters. Yeah. 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 I know we were having trouble this season with finding men. Men is a problem. Yes. Um, in all community theaters, uh, the Red Barn Theater, we just, I mean, they learned they only do four shows. So you're talking four shows in a summer and they do all of the auditions at the beginning of the season. And we, the, other than the musical, the, the directors of the three remaining shows fought over the men that auditioned. <laughs> we sat there going, well, well, okay. I should say it was just two of us because the one show is like all women and one guy, and they, <laughs> you know, and, but the other shows needed men. And, and we, we, you know, we're like, well, we need men. So what you find sometimes is, is guys who aren't very strong actors mm-hmm. who end up getting cast and, or you find a lot of community theaters that start finding shows that are very women heavy. Yes. And then as guys, we're like, well, we don't want to do anything there because there's nothing for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They only cast women and they cast, do plays for they're women. Like, they're doing little women again <laughs> and still magnolias and, um, yeah. you know, those kinds of shows. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it, it is tough. I know, um, you know, with being at, at our act, actually we tend, we tend to get quite a few men at our act, but, um, the problem seems to be age. 
you know, as well. We don't get a lot of young people in general, but if we do, we get far more young women than we do young men. And so in the last show that we just did was The Rainmaker, mm-hmm. and we needed a, a young man for it. And um, we, <laughs> first of all, we didn't have anybody at all. And then we went through several different um, people before we finally found one. And it was only like two weeks before the show, before we ended up with anybody. And he, he did a fantastic he, job. He did do a fantastic job. Um, yeah. I was amazed at how quickly he learned his lines. And then he... I, I felt like he brought the enthusiasm like way up um, and, and really helped out a lot. But we just um, but we had a lot of men audition, but for the older roles. <laughs> so there were a lot of people that didn't get cast because there weren't any more parts for them because the parts were for younger people. Mm, and right. even so, we actually cast way older than we should have because um, the one character that's supposed to probably be in like his 30s was actually played by someone in his 60s. So, <laughs> you know, I had somebody point that out to me. They're like, yeah, I don't I don't think uh, that that character should have been that old. And I'm like, it's not written that way. It's just no. <laughs> they used what they had. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I thought he did a great job. He did. He really, um, he really in that did. role. Um, and he's worked for me um, before. Mm-hmm. So I know what he's capable of, but, uh, yeah, he did a great job. Uh, I, I, I believe the character, the, the, the ages were kind of off. Yeah. um, (laughs) It it was, but I I think overall it didn't hurt the story. And I think for the most part, if you're unfamiliar with the story, or even if you are familiar with it, that might've been worse. Um, it, (laughs) it might've confused a few people when they, you know, he was saying paw and they're like, really? (laughs) But I think other than that, it didn't, it didn't hurt the story. Paul was 13 when uh, the kid was born. (laughs) Uh, so I, I, it's hard sometimes whenever you can tend to get a lot, you know, I mean, does that mean we select plays that have a lot of older men in them and no, you know, no younger men. I mean, that was, that was a cast of seven men and, and one woman was me. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) really, yeah, yeah. I hadn't noticed. I played that part. Um, so that was, it was kind of already a stretch to say, we're going to do a cast with so many men in it. But then the fact that, you know, we were missing the, the young men, we just didn't get them out to audition. You know, so um, it, it's it's tough sometimes selecting plays when you know what you have. Then you have other places where they get tons of young people. Contra has young people all at like, you know, all the time. They have well, and in fact, some of the young people that we tried to get to come to over to our act were doing shows at Contra already. They so. because they're in Cranberry there. Um, there's several high schools that have pretty good mm-hmm. theater arts programs. And those kids like to do stuff outside of school. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when I did shows there frequently, um, we always had teenagers in the cast. Um, Some of them very talented. Some of them, again, just filling a space on Mm -hmm. the stage. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, one of the teenagers I worked with is is now on Broadway. So, um, you know, that's that's always cool. I can go, yeah, I I know that guy. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, um, it's casting can really, really affect which shows you pick for a season. Mm. It's, it's definitely a, it's definitely a concern for community theaters. Um, I know some of the shows that I've recommended at some places, they've, they've turned me down because of, of casting Mm -hmm. concerns. Um, other plays I've turned down that I've had turned down, they've turned down because of. Um, whether or not they felt the author was well known enough 
Oh. So I've, I've, uh, cause I tend to read a lot of plays being mm-hmm. a playwright myself. Um, and I've tried to, I've tried to champion lesser known plays yes. that I would like to see on stage. And, and one of the reasons I started Driftwood Dramatics was so that I could, if, if I couldn't talk anybody into doing some of these plays, yes. I could foot the <laughs> bill myself and do the plays. And their reasoning is, is that, well, everybody knows who Neil Simon is, everybody mm-hmm. knows who Ken Ludwig is. Mm-hmm. If we do Barefoot in the Park, if we do um, Leading Ladies, mm-hmm. people are going to come and see those yeah. because they know those, those, uh, those playwrights. But nobody knows Joe Schmo from Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they're not going to come see that. I uh, mean, as I think as an actor, that's frustrating mm. because, you know, how many times do you want to be in Moon Over Buffalo? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you you did that one several times, right? I've done Moon Over Buffalo three, three times. times. Uh, I would need to do it one more time to play every man in the show. I've played Richard. I've played George and I've played, uh, what is, what is the other character's name? Uh, Paul. Paul. I played Paul. Uh, the only part I haven't played is the is Howard. The Howard. Yeah. Um, and at this point in my life, I am way too old to play Howard. So I'm not playing Howard. That <laughs> have to, it have to give me prosthetic, uh, hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll wait, you know, a couple of decades and we can do like a senior citizen version of it. Right. Right. <laughs> Where everybody's like much older. So, and I, I played Roz in, in Moon Over Buffalo. I was mm. already probably too old to play that role. <laughs> and, um, I played that. But it was one of those ones that was like, okay, and I did it and I played it and I really don't have any desire to do it again. Which which leads me to um to the other thing about um play selection is that community theaters seem to primarily want to do comedies. Yes. So uh, Jen yes. and I, we obviously we were just talking about about um Angel Street slash Gaslight. Um and then I did um what what is it called? Uh Wait Until Dark. Mm-hmm. And those are psychological thrillers, and we did both of those at uh, at Arac Theater. And as an actor, that's so much fun to do. Yeah, it is. It's 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 so interesting to to be a real person in a very exciting, terrifying situation. Mm-hmm. Whether you're the good guy, or the bad guy, it doesn't matter. It's it's still much more interesting. Audiences don't always want to see that i don't think (laughs) and what we find is is a lot of these community theaters um when they're doing their play selection they're always thinking will somebody come Come. and pay to see this yeah and so what you end up with is is a lot of ken ludwig (laughs) a lot of i almost said neil diamond (laughs) Neil, Neil neil simon um and and you know and a whole slew of others that you see all the, all time, the time on stage mm-hmm. year after year mm-hmm. i mean around here especially if you just look at the 20 or so community theaters in the area and you just look over the past 20 years you'll see the same shows done again over and, and again and, and again and again yeah. and it's 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 that fine line they walk between wanting to do art mm-hmm. and wanting to pay the bills yeah <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. someplace like the Red Barn, for instance, who who just purchased their their property not too long ago, and have this huge mortgage that they're trying to to pay off, um, is really concerned about: Can we keep the lights on? Can we pay the mortgage? You know, will we get people in the seats? Mm-hmm. And so they make safer decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. I, I understand that even from an um, actor standpoint, certainly <laughs> there's um, I, I wish I actually knew the the line because it's reminding me of a, a show I did in high school. It's called Stage Door. Um, terrible. Don't don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that one. Well, actually, um, the, scratch that right off my list. Stage the, door. Yeah. The movie is better, but it has something like twenty three women. It's ridiculous. That's the reason why I got twenty three women. That's the reason why I got chosen. Oh my god! You know goodness. because it's a it's about um it's set I think in the in the thirties, but it's about like a a home that has all of these women who are actresses and dancers and all that that live there, and so, um, and then one of the women, um, gets taken off to Hollywood, so but the rest of them are stage actors, and so there's this part where I'm going to butcher the line completely, but where the, the lead actress, lead stage, stage actress says to a writer friend of hers, like, you know, you can always write, but you know, no matter where you're at, whether anybody reads it, you're still a writer, but an actor needs an audience basically was where she was getting to like, I can't just stand around in my bedroom and act. It's not the same. <laughs> and so, um, so I, I kind of always felt that way that it's like, it's hard to just like, you can, um, <laughs> but, it, but you, you want people to see it. You want people to be able to come and, and to see it. Now on, on one hand, there are some characters that I really just want to portray and, um, whether that's to one person or 100 or 1000, I'm just glad for the opportunity to get to play them. But then it does get a little disappointing if no one comes out. Um, so just having been in The Rainmaker, I played Lizzie Curry. That is a role I've wanted to play for over 20 years. And so I was just thrilled to get the opportunity to play her. Um, and so it didn't matter to me how many people came to see it. But it ended up being, I think, a pretty good show. So it was disappointing that it wasn't as well attended um, as I would have yeah. liked. So um, now I, I would say I think under most circumstances, I think the Rainmaker would be well attended because it's actually if you have an older audience, uh, the movie is well known. And so a lot of times if there's a popular movie, you will get the get an audience to come. Gaslight was very well attended, even though we don't typically do thrillers. Mm -hmm. um, we sold out almost every night and um, and we even had to turn people away at the door. <laughs> so um, a lot of people came to see it. Well, and I, I still hear positive feedback about, th about that show. I think part of part of our ex problem with Rainmaker is the relocation. The location. That was the um, issue. Yeah. So you, you've got a lot of you, you spent all this time building your audience in this location. And then suddenly you're traveling again and you're doing shows in places where, where mm -hmm. they haven't done shows. And I think the reason you didn't get quite the large audience as as yeah. you should have gotten is is that it just was in a different place it, it was and and the people just didn't travel out yeah to see it yeah. it, it wasn't in the same locate like even close to the same location and um, a lot of people just didn't know and then a lot of people were probably just like nah, i'm not gonna drive out there to see it <laughs> and so that was um it was unfortunate um, and disappointing, but at the same time, I'm just so glad that I still got to play that character, mm. you know, and just, and, and I got to play it on a really nice stage. It was a nice stage to, to it work with. It was a with. nice stage. And then I think the other thing is, is being on that stage in that huge auditorium. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if, if you were used to what our act normally has, where it only seated like 60 at the most, um, looking at in out into that audience and seeing all the empty seats yes. is a little disheartening. Yes. Um, we did a show at Comptra. I did Death Trap. I directed Death Trap, mm -hmm. um, which I think is a superb thriller with a lot of funny lines in it. Um, uh, Bruce Travers was uh, was the main character, and uh, Mike Guantan Guant. I can't say his name. <laughs> Mike Guantonio 
was the other male lead and uh they had great chemistry the two of them and it was a very well done show mm-hmm. that was very poorly attended yeah. <laughs> and again it's it's not a comedy it wasn't well um advertised because Contra, I don't know how they're doing these days because I don't have anything to do with them these days, but uh, they just didn't do any advertising. So mm-hmm. it's like nobody came to see it. We had yeah. very small audiences every night and everybody that came loved the show. <laughs> had a lot of good things to say about it, but there just wasn't anybody there. And then, then we're back to what are people coming to see? Um, Contra has almost exclusively turned into a place to do musicals, musicals yeah. um, because they feel that's the only way they can put people's butts in the seats mm-hmm. is, is to come see 10,000 children in musicals. <laughs> um, and so they do a lot of musicals, even when they weren't doing all musicals, they would alternate between a musical and a, and a mm-hmm. play. Um, people just weren't attending the plays. Mm-hmm. And I have to think that a lot of it has to do with they were letting directors do shows that probably shouldn't have been on the stage. Mm-hmm. They were letting um, directors direct who should not have been directing. <laughs> <laughs> and so they were focusing a lot of their attention on the musicals because they made money from them. Mm-hmm. And everything else was kind of going to the side. And there was no advertising. There's none whatsoever. And I think that hurts a, a small theater company to not oh, to not advertise. Um so I think uh, uh, kind of summar- su- summarizing, <laughs> I almost said summer up. To summer up, <laughs> as hot as it is outside today, uh, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, what kind of things to look at when you're trying to choose plays. And so to sum up what we were saying is, is you know, how big is your stage? <laughs> what kind of people do you have to work with? Mm-hmm. Um, what's your budget? Uh, you know, and... Are people going to come see it? Mm-hmm. I mean, is, is that is that a fair summary? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it is. I think it is. I think it's, I think it's good to want to try new things mm. because you don't want to get stuck in a rut, but you have to be realistic at the same time. And and when you're planning a season, when you're doing a whole season, you can balance those things out. You can go, yes. well, we're going to do, we're going to do this play because we know it's well known, and we're going to get people, and we'll use that as our seed money to do this one we really want to do. Mm-hmm. But we're not sure anybody's going to come see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so we've we've been. Anyways, I, that's what's my go-to word. Anyways, anyway. I say anyways a lot. So we've been talking about uh, sort of tips and tricks for for choosing a, a theater season, some plays. If you're a community theater, um, I hope you enjoyed our our chat. Um, certainly, I hope you come back and listen to us the next time. And uh, I'm Eric. Um, actually, I'm Mac. <laughs> I'm Jen. And this is Jen. And uh, this has been Drop Lines. You have been listening to the Drop Lines podcast with Eric J. McAnallen and Jen Ryan. Join us next time when Mac and Jen discuss Jen's serial killer list of possible podcast names. Mac tells his first tale of theater horror. And Mac and Jen define Drop Lines for the uninitiated. For more information, visit us on the web at www.droppedlines.com. And don't forget to subscribe.